Miss Moss Sr. It's the story of my father's determination to exercise his right to vote. One morning in the fall of 1946, he got up, determined to cast his ballot. My father was a farmer, a sharecropper in the rural south. He served in the military during the First World War. Always a man of dignity, quiet courage and determination. Our mother, his devoted wife, had died at an early age, and my father struggled as a single parent of five children. I'm going to vote today. Excited. Welcome back to the WVOM Morning Show. I am attorney Ernest B. Fenton, and uh, what we were listening to is an excerpt from um, a documentary called Otis's Dream. And um, you can listen to and watch, rather, Otis's Dream on Vaughn TV uh, via Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple Plus. Um, also on your PC, tablet, or mobile device at Vaughn.tv. I also think you can go through uh, the website and um, somehow get that app or uh, be directed to Vaughn TV as well, right? Um, on the line with us to um, share um, the impact on Otis's, the impact of Otis's dream on him and the fact that um it's a documentary about his grandfather as told by his father is Reverend Dr. Uh, Otis Moss III. How are you, sir? Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today, attorney? Yes, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So um, let's just jump right in. How, I mean, how did that impact you? Well, I grew up hearing the story of my grandfather. I never met my grandfather. It was a part of our family lore. Uh, my father, uh, Otis Moss Jr., made sure uh, that we knew this story of a sharecropper in rural Georgia. His father, a great man of dignity and tenacity, who wanted to cast his vote against the avowed racist by the name of Governor Talmadge, uh, who was the uh, governor of Georgia, uh, who used as his stumped speech in Georgia. He said there are three problems in Georgia, uh, and he used the N-word three times. <laughs> Not Negroes, mm -hmm. but another N-word. With the uh, heart, he, ER. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> and he said he wanted to make Georgia great again uh, by making sure that people of African descent did not vote. And my grandfather uh, was moved by this because he felt that he had to fight. His wife, who died at an early age, died because of medical apartheid. They would not treat her oh, wow. at a white hospital. Uh, so racism killed his wife, placed him in 
the condition of being a second-class citizen. And he was so radical that he refused to work the land of anybody white in Georgia, uh, that he would only find uh, a black family where he could do cooperative economics, uh, where he would work the land fairly. And in 1946, he went to vote uh, that year. Uh, which was an act of not only defiance but danger because the possibility that he would not come home because the governor had made it clear to all domestic terrorist organizations, please stand by in case there's somebody who may want to attempt to vote who is not white. Uh, the uh, authorities will not intervene. Mm-hmm. And that's the context of him going to vote in 1946. Wow. How do you um, the 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 meaning and the impact of the process or the act of voting then, um, as compared to now? How do you how do you think they may differ, and then in what way are they the same? Well, technically, black men had the right to vote in 1870. It was not black women until 1965. All black people were enfranchised. But I say technically because there were poll tests. My own father had to take a poll test before he could vote. Uh, He had to take a literacy test. And this was given only to black people. Uh, Here, I'm going to give you some actual questions of the test uh, because the clerk was empowered to the point where they could ask anything. This is an actual test uh, question that was actually given. Please, if you want to vote, please tell me how many uh, bubbles are in this bar of soap. <laughs> if, if, if you want to vote, please tell me how many the number of bricks in this building. Wow. If you want to vote, recite for me the Constitution of the state of Georgia mm. uh, or how many uh, <laughs> jelly beans are in uh, this, this jar. My father says it this way. We had to take a test to see if we could vote, but no one gave us a test in order to pay our taxes, uh, that they would send us a bill and we'd pay it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were methods of suppression. Uh, they would use the uh, postal service to make sure that people did not receive information if they tried to register. Uh, they would move polling locations uh, or tell you that you can go here, you have to go here, or whatever it may be. Today, Harris County in Texas, uh, one drop-off location for 2 million people in order to vote in Harris County, which is predominantly black. In the adjacent, well-off, wealthy county with only 4,000 people, they also have one um, drop-off location. And they brought a lawsuit against the state of Texas. That lawsuit uh, was thrown out because of a three-panel judge, three three judges, who were appointed by the current person who occupies the White House uh, to keep this voter suppression going. We say it this way. Obviously, we got a lot of power if you've got to cheat in order to win. Mm -hmm. And it's happening today, and it continues to happen. And that's why we as a community must wake up and understand the power of our vote is not just putting someone in the White House. It determines who's going to be the state's attorney. It determines who is going to be uh, in the state legislature. It determines how districts are going to be uh, designed and who will be in power, who will not be in power. It determines whether or not 
you are going to have an arts program, a football team, a, a basketball team at your local school. So to say that it doesn't matter means that you disenfranchise yourself and you are living out the narrative of what Cardi G. Woodson says is the miseducation of the Negro. Yeah, I think um, voter suppression and we haven't spoken about it much. And I'd like to go deeper into what you just shared as well. But as you were speaking, something just sort of came to mind. I would imagine that back then and probably um, similar today is that voter suppression um, as a matter of form was simply to say that um, Negro, um, you should not be allowed to participate. Mm -hmm. Right. So like um, you should not be on equal footing with us. You shouldn't have a say like that in this democracy. Mm -hmm. And then as a matter of substance, then you shouldn't have a say or people who represent your interests should not be in these annals of power, you know, to carry forward, you know, um, you know, your ethics, if you will, or to recognize, you know, your civility and um, place here in America's uh, democracy. And so I think it was like, you know, twofold. Um, but let's t- take one step further from, you know, what you just said. And there are people who use loosely the term, you know, voting, quote unquote, does not matter because um, they see it as more of a um, act of form as opposed to um, some 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 goals or uh, uh, strategic objectives obtained um, on their behalf or for their benefit substantively. So they don't see the impact after the vote. That's right. So that, that, that that's that's absolutely uh, right in terms of how some people uh, feel that they understand the form or the miseducation yeah. uh, in in reference to voting. Yeah. Um, but I always raise the question. I said, would, would, do you believe that someone should be in jail for 10 years for smoking marijuana? If you do, don't vote. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do, do you believe uh, that if uh, if you have a felony um, uh, that, you know, you should not, you lose your right to vote. Uh, do you believe that someone who can't pay $300 should languish in a jail for, for three to four months? Well, don't vote. Uh, but if you believe those things are wrong, you should vote. And here's the other thing. Don't show up to a protest and say you're not going to vote. That, right. that just to me doesn't make any sense that you want, you want to shift the policies in the city but you don't want to write the policies for the city <laughs> that's part yeah. of our civic responsibility yeah. voting is 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 empowering if you hold people accountable and don't expect them to be the leaders of the community do like every other community you manage our agenda you don't set up our agenda we yeah. tell you how how you are supposed to function in our best interest. Yeah. Perhaps uh, make a distinction for me here. Okay. Like this is the thing that I struggle with. And I think that's causing somewhat of a rift or divide between those who are on the side of, you know, the benefit, the value of the vote, you know, um, um, today. And those who are like, I don't know how much it actually matters. Right. So like, I think we do, we one have to acknowledge because I think oftentimes it's just said like, go vote. Like there's this act and you, you know, you pull this lever and then you've done your job. 
And then I think like, at, you know, at some point people are saying, well, let's go ahead and extrapolate on this concept of what voting actually means. Like voting is more so more than some rote or routine um, act that's that you um, engage in on this particular day. Voting is a process. So, like, I think we need to begin to discuss voting in terms of it being a process and the beginnings of those processes, the act of voting. And then the carrying out of that process is everything that you do after that vote. And so then, like now, OK, I think we understood the process back then because, like, the process was just to get to the vote back then. That was the process. Now we don't have that process. We can just walk in. Well, I won't say just walk in, but relatively speaking, much easier. We can just go in and vote, relatively speaking, easier. But I think the process, to a large extent, and I don't know if it's necessary to make a comparison, the process is like everything that must happen after the vote to, in today's age. And in light of the fact that much of the legislation that um, – um, that perhaps we 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 imagine that we need um, may exist to a certain extent. So like like um, from a legislative standpoint, the process of exercising our vote has already been established. So now the question becomes, how then do we enforce or engage in the process of making our vote matter today? I think that's the quandary in part. Well, I think I don't think it's, it's necessarily a quandary. I think it is a matter of position. Um, in, in Georgia, five hundred thousand in twenty seventeen, five hundred thousand people were purged from the voter rolls without their knowledge. Stacey Abrams lost by thirty thousand votes. They were purged by the Secretary of State, who is now the governor. When and there were nine hundred thousand unregistered black people who thought their vote did not matter. If just a hundred thousand of them decided to vote, we would have a different situation in Georgia today. It's a matter of civic education, voter education, and understanding how policies are designed. My grandfather understood that. He knew that medical apartheid was connected to the governor. He understood that night riders were allowed to function in the city because it was also connected to the governor. He watched his own cousin lynched, who lived on, on property not too far from where he lived, and he knew that it was connected to the system. And one of the ways was not only voting someone out, but he believed, I want someone who will have an agenda that will allow my family to thrive. Now, he didn't go to high school. <laughs> he, he didn't have the opportunities that we have. He had no Instagram, Facebook, didn't have no Uber, nothing like that to get anywhere. But he understood that if black people vote and vote their interests and hold people accountable, it then changes the tenor of, of, of political policy in Georgia. Yeah. Now he did that without an education. He did that and he had to be taught how to read. I, I have the actual um, um, chalk tablet of my grandfather where he learned his ABCs. It was an early iPad, I guess. It was a chalk tablet. For sure. And, <laughs> and this man who didn't have the level of education 
or have access to the information understood the complexity and connection between my vote and the life that I live in rural Georgia. That to me is remarkable and I think a great lesson for us today. Yep. Thank you, sir. We can end with that lesson. I appreciate you coming on air with us. Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III of Trinity United Church of Christ in Chicago. Otis's Dream, you can catch it right here on Vaughn TV. Watch Otis's Dream. It's the story of Otis Moss Sr. as told by Otis Moss Jr. Otis's Dream on Vaughn TV on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple Plus. Also on your PC, your tablet, or your mobile device at Vaughn.tv.